0: What is going on, everybody? Pete Forsey, the podcast. Thanks for choosing to listen. Happy Tuesday night to you. That's when I'm recording this. Maybe you're listening to it on Wednesday morning, Thursday afternoon. Maybe maybe you're already on the weekend. I hope it is not game time, NFL game time, because that's what we're going to dive into. The conference championship games this Sunday. We're going to get to them, not before we get to reviewing the divisional round. It was another great weekend. Um, a lot of, a lot of everything. A lot of great plays. A lot of bad coaching. Some magical moments. Some exhausting moments. And we got some baseball news. Houston Astros. They got the hammer thrown down on them, and that was yesterday. And we already got some other news kind of rolling in here. As I'm on the microphone, uh, Alex Corey, he's out as manager. No surprise there. Uh, you know, I'll get to that. Uh, but overall, just just a lot to unpack. It was a great weekend uh, of football. I- I'm gonna get right to it. No other topic I want to get to other than the Kansas City Chiefs. Not because most of you like the Kansas City Chiefs, but because I continue to see unbelievable things, both in the exciting way and things that make me completely despondent. We'll get to it right now. It's episode 33 of the podcast. Okay, there's no other place I really rather begin but also need to begin than Arrowhead Stadium, Kansas City Chiefs, defeat the Houston Texans. 51, I repeat, 51 points to 31 points Texans fall in the playoffs yet again. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of Chiefs fans, I think, um, as far as a population who listens to this podcast, and I'll get to them in a minute because they, they played well. Um, really for three quarters, and that's all they needed. And the reason they needed it is because the Houston Texans once again were not prepared to play this game. They had a brilliant first quarter off the heels of the Chiefs squandering it away. Two special teams blunders, two big Travis Kelsey drops, put the Houston Texans up 24 to nothing. And sure enough, the team, spearheaded by their head coach, Bill O'Brien, let it slip away. And I'm not one that really questions the, the field goal to put them up 24-0 to on the fourth and one. Bill O'Brien thought it was a poor spot that they were given. He decided to take the points. I get that. Playing the Kansas City Chiefs, you need as many points as you can get. Take the extra three instead of risking getting nothing. I, I, I understand that. But the fake punt, at that point in the game, that's not a good call. And you can go off the logic, you need as many points as possible with Patrick Mahomes playing quarterback, but you cannot be reckless when operating under that. That is a reckless call. And I know Daniel Sorensen made a spectacular play. It was close. But they didn't get it the risk was too much. You are better off pinning back the Kansas City Chiefs and making Patrick Mahomes charge the whole field. I know they marched down right before that, but don't tell me they were hot at that point. They weren't hot. One drive doesn't mean you know, you're know you on a streak here. The Kansas City Chiefs looked very bad for one quarter in multiple facets of the game. Defense, specialty, all facets of the game. And Bill O'Brien once again... Just poor management, and I, I'm just left with, you know, he's a New England guy, did well with Tom Brady, he's won multiple AFC South uh, division or yeah division titles, so I'm not saying he's a horrible coach, but he's been vastly overrated, and he has been for some time. This is the coach who lost to the New England Patriots with rookie Jacoby Brissett, then a third stringer. This was about three years ago, I think 2016, back when Tom Brady was still suspended. He lost to that team with a third-string quarterback. He's lost multiple big games before, whether it's playoffs, whether it's regular season, when his team's been favored, when they should be in a good spot. And the Texans, while they weren't favored on Sunday, they were in a pretty good spot. They had J.J. Watt back. They had Deshaun Watson. They had Will Fuller. They were in a good spot to to compete in this game, and they found themselves up 24-0, and they lost. Once again, Bill O'Brien. New York Jets, 2015, loss. New England Patriots, Jacoby Brissett, third stringer, loss. Shutout in the playoffs against the Chiefs a couple years ago, another loss. It's the big games I really don't trust Bill O'Brien. He's not a bad head coach. He's not bad. But when his team needs to be prepared for the biggest games of their season, they don't show up. Another one at Arrowhead Stadium. And that's when the Chiefs got rolling, when the Texans let him back into the game. Mahomes, fantastic on the run. The guy continues just not to have a bad game. That's You want a cool statistic, a real neat statistic on Patrick Mahomes? The cold, hard data. He hasn't had a bad game yet. He hasn't had one bad game in the NFL. Sure, some of them have just been you know, average. He may have just been good. He certainly has had some great, exceptional games. The guy really hasn't had a clunker yet. It's amazing. I haven't seen a quarterback over a two-year span just not have one where you say, gosh, he really cost him." I can't find one yet. And for that reason, coming up big in three quarters along with the rest of the offense, Travis Kelsey, 10 catches for 134 yards, touchdown. Uh, They scored 50 points. In three quarters, uh, they're dangerous. I'll get to them in a minute, but the real takeaway is here. Houston Texans, you officially have a problem at the head coaching spot. Keeping it on the playoffs from the previous weekend, the wild card round, or excuse me, the divisional round. The night before, the Titans took on the Ravens in Baltimore, and they took down the MVP, and they took down the pretty great Baltimore Ravens defense. The Titans won the football game, and that was a game Saturday night. I was watching that one. I really couldn't believe what I was watching. Uh, I'm, I'm past the point now. The Titans have won two playoff games, winning in a very vanilla way. I'm past the point now saying it can't happen. It's happened twice now. So I won't say that going forward. I'll get to the future games, like I mentioned, down the line here in the podcast. But the big takeaway from this one is that, Despite throwing the ball 14 times, Ryan Tannehill completed 50% of his passes for 88 yards and the Titans won the football game. Because once again, Derrick Henry in this pass-happy league, in a league where the rules are geared toward offense, toward the two-minute drill, geared for teams to come back late in the game with 30 seconds on the clock. Derrick Henry ran for 195 yards. I think he toted the rock 30 times. The Ravens knew it was coming. They couldn't stop it. And once again, the Titans won the game by controlling the game and not scoring that many points. They, you know, relative to today's NFL, they held the Ravens to 12. And it's just amazing that this simplistic of a game plan is working out in 2019 and 2020 now in the playoffs. I was not big on them heading into this. I said, you know, they didn't have that great of a year. They were 9-7. and seven. But here we are. They're in the AFC title game. And I think it really goes to show, because they got down big, that Baltimore, Lamar, yeah, he's proven a lot of us wrong including the person speaking. But when it became a a passing game, a drop back game, and Lamar was forced to throw 59 times, the Ravens didn't have a shot. And some of his flaws were, again, visible. And it's not to say that he can't be the, the QB going forward, but when you have to throw 59 times and you throw for a very hollow 365 yards... You got a problem. You got a big problem when your quarterback can't complete passes in a league that's geared for that. Now he made some incredible plays with his legs, a couple good throws to John Brown that I thought were impressive. But you saw you saw a lot of misfires. A lot of errant passes. Some wide eyes in the pocket. I look, in today's NFL, Lamar Jackson just isn't very practical. I said it a few podcasts ago, while, he, while it is effective, while the Baltimore Ravens' plan during the 2019 season was effective, they had all the personnel to do it. And good for them. They procured the talent. It was there. But how many times are, are the conditions going to be perfect? How many times is everyone going to be healthy? Have three all-pro offensive linemen, two stud running backs, couple stud wide receivers three tight ends that are viable in the passing game you're not gonna have that all the time so here they were forced to play in a different way and they couldn't get it done credit to the titans i uh you know i didn't think they could do it but it's happened twice now at this point in time i will not be able to say it cannot happen So we'll keep it on the other Saturday game, the earlier game, the one out in Santa Clara, California. Good to see playoff football back with the San Francisco 49ers. I always thought they had one of the better uniforms of football, the cherry red jerseys, caramel brown pants, cool decal on the helmet. Just uh, a neat setting, and I know it's not candlestick, but I just thought, you know, Looked like a nice, brisk California afternoon. It was fun to see that again, and the Minnesota Vikings came to town. I bet on them. Uh, Not actual bet, but I just bet on them to win. I thought they would. I thought they would get out to that lead. Kirk Cousins would play from in front, be able to run the football effectively, use play action, be conservative, and just control the game. And they didn't. You know, he made a couple of really good throws. He had one really good drive where he threw three beautiful passes, three dimes. But in the end, San Francisco was the more balanced team, and their defense just looked nasty. Just some dudes flying around. Richard Sherman, revitalize, looks young. Uh, Jaquiski Tart, another great defender. Fred Warner, um, defensive lineman. Nick Bosa. I mean, he might he's probably better than his brother Joey. I mean, he's had a fantastic rookie season. I was really confused when he was, like, down on the ground, and then he got up screaming, uh, you know, just very joyful. I was, I was confused at the time, wondering, is he actually hurt? Was he trying to kill time off the clock because it was a fourth down? It didn't quite make sense to me. But, you know, this game was pretty just – it was pretty simple. Tevin Coleman, 22 carries, 105 yards – San Francisco could just play multiple ways. They exposed uh, the holes of the Minnesota defense uh, because they had more talent. They had more talent to spread around. In Minnesota, they just thought they could run on San Francisco, and they were tougher. Niners' defense was just tougher. And Robert Sala, it, you know, I know Richard Sherman said it after the game. He can't believe that he didn't get the Cleveland job. The guy's going to be a head coach someday. Uh, he, he's coaching a scheme that that's pretty uh, – You know, pretty sophisticated. They play a hybrid defense between a 4 3 and a 3 4, and they're playing about five different coverages. And it's pretty neat stuff just based off the youthfulness of the roster that he's got to play in that hard. And they're one game from the Super Bowl. And they got to go through Aaron Rodgers, very seasoned quarterback, and a Green Bay team that just, you know, they won't lose. They won 14 games. So, uh, you know, San Francisco. I think this, I'm not going to say it was an easy win for him, but once they noticed that Minnesota just thought they could, you know, rush Dalvin Cook to the conference championship game, they said, really? Like, that, that's how you're going to beat us. Well, we'll just continue to spread it around. Take what you're giving us, and we'll take the points, and, you know, we'll march on to next week. And that's what the Niners did. And Minnesota, they're going home once again because they were not versatile enough. Okay, get into the last game here. It was at Lambeau Field, historic Lambeau Field, in Green Bay, Wisconsin. The Packers take down the Hawks, twenty-eight to twenty-five, I believe it was. It's now been a couple days, uh, but this game really went about as I expected. I thought the Packers would play a very simplistic game plan, take conservative, uh, a, a conservative amount of risk in the football game as far as deep shots to Devontae Adams. He had a spectacular game, uh, and that's exactly what they did. They ran the football plenty enough and really just forced the Hawks to get back into the game, and that's what they did because they got that MVP, not this year. Probably should have won it if you're asking me. Russell Wilson, once again, continues to be phenomenal. Completed 66% of his passes for the offense, 277 yards. He was the offense. Him and Tyler Lockett, that was about it. Offensive line, he was under pressure quite a bit. Uh, who else do you have? Uh, the Hollister guy from New England. He's improved a little bit, but he's not good. They just they had nothing. There was no firepower on that Hawks offense, and Russell Wilson just continues to improvise. The guy's got eyes in the back of his head. He's just a winner, just a gamer. When they need to have a championship drive, he put one together. Ultimately, you know, he didn't get the ball back. And, you know, I I don't blame Pete Carroll with 2.41 left. Packers got to complete two first downs to run out the clock, and that's what they did. But, you know, Russell Wilson, he didn't have the chance to get him back in the game. They they ran out of game clock, and I thought that's what Green Bay was going to do. Uh, They were just going to really allow Rodgers to do what he did as far as late in the game, making the big-time throw he Back uh, off his back foot to Devontae Adams, over the shoulder. Great completion, and that's what won it. The Smith bros, Preston, Zadarius, I mean, those those guys look like, I don't know, Reggie White with like a pair of them. Reggie, I mean, these guys all season have just, there hasn't been a better combination off the edges, and they continue to get home. The Packers, I think they're going to give the, the Niners some trouble, I'm not quite sure that they're going to pull it off. I mean, they got smacked. They got smacked. They only scored eight points the first time in Santa Clara. But the Packers take care of business. Hawks ran out of gas. This one was real simple. We got a nice NFC showdown. Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan. Shifting back to the city of Houston, they are taking a lot of L's this week. And we're going to go to the other sport, baseball, because the Houston Astros, they have fired their general manager, former Cardinals exec, Jeff Lunau, they have fired their field manager, A.J. Hinch, and it was all because of the sanctions that came down for the electronic sign stealing, banging of the trash can, stealing signs illegally. And they got docked first and second round picks in 2020 and 21. Lunau and Hinch were suspended for the year. Then they were fired. $5 million against Jim Crane, the owner. Obviously, that's uh, couch cushion money for him. So, the Houston Astros. How do I feel about it? I think it was a very fair punishment. You lost your general manager. You lost a Hall of Fame executive in Jeff Lunau. And you can say, Hall of Fame? Really? Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. The guy revolutionized how you go about building an organization. He came from the St. Louis Cardinals where he was a big help in the 2011 championship. He won the 2017 World Series. And there's a very consistent model for how you go about building your program now. And he's to large credit for that. A.J. Hinge I think, while well, he's not a Hall of Famer quite yet, you let him manage about four more years he goes to another World Series, wins it or loses it. He, he probably is in the Hall of Fame, just based off how the voters vote and the criteria that they go off of. Both are going to get jobs. Both are going to get jobs again. Someone's going to have a – someone some very – some club just got very, very lucky because they're going to hire Jeff Lou now. He can build an organization from the ground up. He can take over something on the fly, maybe like – The Red Sox, Dave Dombrowski did a couple of years ago. I mean, he's just a smart guy. And those that think it would just be a a black mark on an organization if they took that on, you're, you're just wrong. Lunau didn't engineer this. Hinch didn't engineer this. They didn't stop it, just like Jim Crane said in his press conference. They didn't stop it. So they are to blame for that. But they didn't say, go do this. The emails to Lunau, that was a delegate below him. Maybe he saw the emails, maybe he didn't. You know how many emails I don't see? Plenty of emails. This is Jeff Lunau, the Houston Astros. guy's got 500 million emails. A.J. Hinch, is he really going to chastise Alex Cora? Is he going to tell his players don't do that if it's effectively helping them win the game? Yeah, maybe he didn't like it. But it's one of those deals where you think, ah, no one's going to find out about it, so it's not that big of a deal. And it is a very big deal, but I can see where a manager would just turn the blind eye to it. He didn't orchestrate it, he condoned it wrongfully, and now he's paying the price. But he will get a manager job again, and this time around, he'll probably go Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops tells all assistant coaches, if you're ever caught cheating, you're gone. A.J. Hinch is going to have to adopt that philosophy. Any assistant coach under his watch, you do nothing. You do nothing to undermine me. You do nothing to get me cut out of here. Because I've already it's already happened once. Talent trumps everything. Unfortunately, it's a sad reality sometimes, but if you're good at something, someone will pay you to do it, even if you come with a little baggage. Urban Meyer? Yeah, that guy was talked about getting an NFL job. You know how many places he screwed up? Three. I guess two. Utah, won. Florida, my gosh, growing worse by the day. Ohio State, we all know how that ended. If you're good enough, if you can lead a group of men in athletics, guess what? You will get a second chance. Sign stealing? Baseball? Please. Yeah, bad scandal, bad crime, I get it. But not enough fingerprints on either Hinch or Lunau. To keep them off the market for too long. Shifting to St. Louis Cardinals baseball. As I get some breaking news. It's been a jam-packed early week here. Between the Astros getting their sanctions brought down yesterday on Monday. Of course, playoff football on Sunday. We now have Tuesday where more Nolan Arenado talk to the Cardinals is happening. Dive into that here in a second. But also now we got Josh Donaldson going to the... Minnesota Twins, three years, four years, excuse me, ninety-two million could be upwards of, hundred millions with incentives. You know, an- another good fit. And with baseball, I tell you what, man, there just never seems to be a bad deal anymore. Every deal I think about, I'm just like, yeah, that makes sense, or yeah, that's fair. It seems to be everybody's got the same algorithms. Everybody, everybody's got the same gauge on value. That it's just pretty easy now after a certain amount of time to square away a deal and you know twins they need a third baseman they're at a point right now they can tack on that fourth year probably eat some bad money once Donaldson's not performing so much and then trade them when a team needs a right-handed hitter like him who mashes lefties in his fourth year and they'll eat some salary get a prospect later on and and that's what they'll do we also have news that Alex Cora just got fired No surprise, he was in the Astros' um, report, kind of spearheaded the whole deal as one of the lone coaches in that situation. And, yeah, if you're Boston, it just kind of makes sense. He's going to get suspended anyway. Why not find a coach uh, so that way you don't derail the entire 2020 season? You're not like the Astros. They had Joe Espada, good bench coach, who interviewed for a whole lot of jobs this past season but ultimately returned to Houston Uh, They kind of had a a nice contingency plan in place, um, you know, serendipitously. So Boston gets a jump on their head start. But the the real topic here, St. Louis Cardinals, Nolan Arenado. It's gaining some lakes. It went from preliminary talks, the early stages of things, to now they're actually discussing names. Maybe Nolan for Nolan, Nolan Gorman for Nolan Arenado, third base for third base, plus a couple of other players. And if I'm the Cardinals, I I mean, there are a lot of variables here. The no-trade clause with Nolan Arenado, maybe you only have him for two years, might have to tackle on some extra cash. I try and get this done, though. I really do. Nolan Aranato, I I, I know that there is some worry between his home and road splits. He's about a 20% above average player on the road compared to about uh, near 40% at Coors Field. The issue that I have with worrying about the road splits, the road splits aren't necessarily indicative of the player that he is. We all know that you hit better in Coors Field. We get that. But what is not talked about enough is that playing in Coors Field affects how you play on the road. Because physically, you have to adjust. And mentally. When you play at Coors Field, the ball moves differently. So then when you go on the road, it takes time to adjust. Your body feels a different way. You recover slower coming from altitude to here, to normal altitude. The ball moves in a different way. It moves faster. So back in the day, if the Colorado Rockies traveled on road trips like they did in the 20s, you remember back when they had those 20-game road trips, 35-day road trips, and then they come home and play at the home ballpark for a month. That would actually be more conducive for the Colorado Rockies. But since they play three games at Coors, fly to San Diego, back for 10 at Coors Field, then 10 on the road at at Boston and and, and Tampa Bay, if they're playing interleague, I guess, because their bodies have to adjust differently. I'm not so worried about the home and road splits. I think Nolan Arenado, known very well for taking care of his body, very, very meticulous knowing that he does play in Colorado. I think once you put him on a routine, on a schedule where he's playing in St. Louis, you're going to see that his away splits are actually going to improve. And maybe he's not going to be 40% better than average, but maybe he's going to be 32% better than average, 33, 34% better than average. I think he'll still be close to that 40 home run guy. I think you try and make this happen if you're St. Louis. Obviously, everything's relative. We could chalk up deals all we want. If it's Nolan Gorman, Dakota Hudson, Matt Carpenter, in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. You're telling me I get a known third base prospect who's a stud, and then I have to give up the 20-year-old who, yeah, he's ripping up the minor leagues, but I don't know. He's 20. Yeah, give me the guy now. I'll take Nolan Arnauto. I'm not worried about the home and road splits. Not one bit. Mashes at home. The home conditions affect how they play on the road. Nolan Arnauto playing for a winner, playing inspired baseball. St. Louis Cardinals, you can improve your club. I start getting aggressive if I'm John Mazalok. All right, on to this weekend. Conference Championship Sunday. Another 2 o'clock, and then about, I guess, a 5.40 start if you're on Central Time here like me. Uh, just a great day. And I believe the first one is Chiefs-Titans. i have to double-check that, but we'll start with that one because, again, like I mentioned, it's at the point I cannot say it's incapable of happening because it's happened twice now. But without getting too deep into the personnel and the schematics and... This has to here is the difference. Will the Tennessee Titans be able to steal chances like they did against Baltimore, two interceptions by Baltimore? Will they be able to steal possessions and then capitalize on those possessions to beat the Chiefs? That's going to be the difference. Just like a lot of football games. Who wins the turnover battle? Well, that's what's going to have to happen for Tennessee. Because are they going to run wild on the Chiefs? I think that could happen. I do think that could happen. I think they could control the game a lot like they have the last couple of weekends. Let's not forget the Kansas city chiefs defense lost the game in the conference title game last year in the first eight minutes, the opening drive against new England. They took the ball. They jammed it down their throat, scored eight minutes into the game. So that was a big difference in that one. I don't necessarily forecast that here. Because I don't see Mahomes tossing errant passes. I don't see him making boneheaded mistakes. Like I mentioned, Patrick Mahomes, the guy hasn't had a bad game in the NFL yet. Now, obviously, we're talking about the stakes are raised now. Everything's more important. You're obviously playing a good opponent. You won't find a bad team in an NFL playoff game. So if there were to be a game that maybe you underachieve, this could be it. Maybe this is Patrick Mahomes' bad game. But it hasn't happened yet. And I'm not betting on it. I'm taking the Chiefs in this one. Of course, Pete's picks always come out just moments before the game. I pick the score. I explain why briefly and I guess it's now 280 characters on twitter.com. So I reserve the right to change my mind. But as we sit here today, Tuesday, I'm taking KC. I think... While Titans have some good defensive backs. They got Cairo They got Bayard. They got Adori, They got Logan Ryan. They got the personnel to match up with all the skills players that the Chiefs possess. But the Chiefs scored 51 points in three quarters against an NFL team. A poorly managed one in that Houston, Texas. I, I, I got to go with the team that's been scoring. I don't trust the team, even though they're controlling the game. The Tennessee Titans, I can't trust the team to win the game when your quarterback is throwing 14 times, and he threw for 88 yards in the air. And I understand it wasn't necessary to go beyond that, but when the opponent that you're playing scored 51 the week before, I just can't do it. Too much basic logic to be applied in this one. I'm going Chiefs at Arrowhead. They get the W. They're going down to Miami for the Super Bowl. And the other one. Okay, now we have Packers, 49ers. This is going to be a good one because you got a couple of quarterbacks that have won Super Bowls before. Two-time winner, Jimmy Garoppolo. One win away from, or excuse me, two wins away from his third ring. You know, By a lot of counts, that would put you as a Hall of Famer. Eli Manning, he's got two rings. Jimmy Garoppolo has two rings. Now, he's got to play to earn this one. He can't ride the coattails of Tom Brady. And I think playing at home, you got Kyle Shanahan. You got a roster that's healthy. You're playing another healthy roster. This is going to be a fun game because you don't really have to You know, There's no variables too much as far as outside the actual schematics of the game that you have to worry about. This is going to be a fun one. This is going to be a fun one. I don't know necessarily what to expect from Green Bay. I like to think that they're going to rise to the occasion I mentioned earlier. I think they'll give them fits. I do think Matt LaFleur, knowing how Kyle Shanahan wants to play, the two know each other, uh, been in the same coaching offices before, I think it's... I'm not going to say it's going to go come down to that the chess match. You hear that all the time during the game. It's, it's, it's going to be a real chess match out there. I don't think that quite so much. It's just the other is going to know what to anticipate. And Matt LaFleur, he's really going to have to let Aaron Rodgers do a little bit of his improv, do a little bit of his schoolyard, because that's what he's comfortable doing. And that's what it's going to take in this game, playing against this type of defense, Aaron Rodgers is going to have to let it loose a couple times. Just a couple of, you know, missiles thrown downfield. And if it's not operating, if they're not controlling the game necessarily, so be it. So be it. Because his arm can get him back in the game at any point and at any place on the football field. The 49ers are going to play clean. You already know that. I'm not saying you let Aaron Rodgers play reckless, but you got to let him p- Play outside structure. Don't worry about moving the chains here. Don't worry about taking what the defense gives you. Get yards. Because this team on San Francisco, they're too balanced. They're, they're too versatile to win in every which way. So what you have to do is you have to worry about getting big chunk plays basically all the time. And Again, that's not saying that it's reckless, but you just got to let Rodgers operate in that schoolyard way that he prefers. Improv, ad lib. He doesn't want to get rid of the ball in three seconds. He doesn't want to put his back to the defense. Just let him drop back, survey the field, and when he sees the opening for the receiver, let him fire because he's got a gun. Do I think it's going to work out? At the moment, I don't think so. Again, just because San Francisco's playing so clean, I think you know, they really do have some special pass catchers over there. Debo Samuel, um, Emmanuel Sanders, he was a great pickup. That's going to be one of the better in-season trade pickups, I think, at some time if they go on to win this Super Bowl. Uh, that's what I think is going to happen. I got Niners. I got Chiefs. I got a meeting down in South Florida. That's all I got, guys. I appreciate you tuning in. To the podcast. We're going to be back shortly after the conclusion of the conference title Sunday, conference title weekend. I do need your questions. I need you to tweet at me. I need you to uh, slide up in those DMs. Whatever it is, at Pete4C, that's the handle. Send them to me. Whatever you got in regards to football, baseball, breaking news, anything really, whatever you want to ask me, we can get you here on the show. You can call the text line. It's going to be 816. 816- 226 7483. Again, that's 816 226 7483. Call in, leave a message, leave your name so I know who you are, and that way you can get on the show. But I'll also just read your question if you send it to me digitally. That's going to do it, guys. I appreciate it. Been fun. Big day of news, big week of news so far. Can't wait to see what the rest of the week has in store. Can't wait for Sunday. We'll talk to you guys next week.